Good morning, what is church? You people are crazy. In all my years as a preacher, I've never had such a cool introduction. I came up a day early to make sure that the weather wouldn't keep me away. I'm not saying this to be sweet. I went home. I said to my wife and my kids, they asked me how was Saturday and Sunday. I said it's um, two of the nicest days that I remember having in years as a preacher. And so they automatically were suspicious. (laughs) And I told them people get my humor. Um, I was wearing my son's shirt. He's like, You took another one of my shirts. I said, I told them about it, and they loved it. Um, And whatever. So um, it's great to be with you this morning. Now, listen. My family was a a little bit bewildered and slightly, I don't know, maybe irritated when I told them about the Tom Brady thing that I said that I think is good looking. And I said, well... I don't care what you think, you're not the boss of me, because that church understood it perfectly and they agreed with me, so off you go. But there is something better than Tom Brady getting another ring. It is called, my friends, man, I love this church so much. It is called the first issue of the first Boston album signed by the, Brad, by the original members, including Brad Delp, right? So, <laughs> I know people are like, is this a church, is he a preacher, what the heck is going on? Um, so, Peter, big, huge Peter, who I befriended last week, last Monday, put on Facebook, basically a kind of a na, 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 you think you're cool, but I've got this Boston album signed by all the guys. So I replied to him, you know, if you really loved me, (laughs) and I don't know if it was like reverse psychology or the power of hypnosis through Facebook, thank you, Facebook, but I got the album this morning. So whatever else happens, friends, I'm going home with the first issue Man, tell me there isn't a God in heaven above. (laughs) So in all seriousness, uh, can we pray and let's ask for the Holy Spirit to open our ears and to open our hearts to hear about God and his kingdom today. Father, I thank you for your presence with us today. Thank you, Lord, that there's such a wonderful, deep and lovely sense of you with us. And Lord, as we look into your word and the prayer that your son taught us, I pray, Lord, that these words will come alive in us. Please do it in me while I'm preaching it. For all of us who hear the words this morning, may you speak to us and may your kingdom come and your will be done. And all of God's wonderful people said, amen. 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 So as we begin, I'd like to just show you a picture of my family. Some uh, folks last week said, can you show us a pic of your family? So this is my lovely wife, Delray, my son, Joel. He's the guy who picked me up and put me over his shoulder. And my daughter, Bianca, she was here with her boyfriend last night. They drove through from New York because she was so interested by what I told her about your church. 
You know, I told her about the wall and the wanting to pose and do the picture and all that. And she was like, Dad, she loves graphics and all this interior decoration and stuff. I said, you've got to see this church. It's so beautiful. So she came through. Anyway, we had a really powerful time last night. It was wonderful. Good altar time, the whole deal. We go out for a meal. I just want to give a shout out, by the way, to box seats, gluten-free pizza, gluten-free burgers. This town is anointed. That's all I'm telling you. Oh my, for those of you who are gluten intolerant, you know how hard it is to find, right? Tasty food. Please let Shane and Marianne hear the private, invisible prayer of my heart and take me there for lunch today. But anyway, so, um, so we at the restaurant and I'm like, how did it go? And those of you who are parents, you will know that you can never say to your children, if you haven't done this yet, don't ever do it. You can never say to your kids, Tell me what you really think. Because your wife, because she wants you to stay married to her, might think you suck big time, but she's not going to tell you because she's like, I can't afford to lose him. I need the money. What will my parents think? And she'll say, no, that was an interesting message, which means you were terrible. But it's okay. You can live with it. Your kids just go, you really suck. So that didn't happen. Last night, she's like, no, Dad, good message. And she's a very honest person. I'm encouraged, and I just knew there was a but. And she goes, but man, you need to do something about those nostril hairs. (laughs) Now, this is at a table. There's like 18 people at the table. Only a few of them heard it, and they kind of try, they don't know what to do. I'm like, what did you just say? She says, your nostril hairs, like you need to clip your nostril hairs. It was very distracting trying to listen to you preach. Because under the spotlights, there was this one just like. Okay, so listen, all I know is I made a little mark in my heart. I'll get you back. It might be your wedding day, but payback is coming. There's a particular joy, parents, isn't there, in getting your kids back. Anyway, so I want to talk about part two of last week's message. Um, And uh, I did every single day this week, including yesterday. I went through the message that I preached last week because it was a word to me. And I'll tell you about it later, but the Lord did deal with me through my own message. And just as a recap, we talked last week about the kingdom of God and that the kingdom has a ruler. His name is Jesus. And that as every kingdom has a ruler, that ruler has his rules. So the king brings a culture his values, his rule introduces his culture, and through his rule, he introduces his rules or his practices. And we talked about the fact that we need this more than ever today because Jesus says in his word that we must be prepared. We must be prepared for what's coming, and we are living in the end times. We are living in the time that Jesus was talking about 2,000 years ago to his disciples, And if we are prepared by the power of the Spirit, we can stand regardless of what the world throws at us. Uh, I've been really, I'm telling you, beyond encouraged, I've been touched and moved. As some people were sharing with me yesterday and even this morning after church, how just their testimony of, in spite of huge difficulties, how the Lord has kept them, and now they are serving Him. Remember I mentioned last week, 
that in our family, our history goes back about 300, 320 years, and I'm the first one on record to have become a Christian. And I realized that if I don't stand firm and live an example for my kids that will inspire them to want to serve Jesus, the light will have come into our lineage for one generation only. And so I want to encourage you, when the Bible talks about standing firm, it's not about survival, it's about an investment for the future, for dynasty in your family spiritually. So, I hope that you did this. Remember we talked about these four questions as you go through the week and you're confronted with different situations or opportunities, ask yourself these questions, right? And so I don't want to be that preacher who says something but doesn't do it, so I did every day. And I'm happy to report that there were three times this week that I had to go through these four questions. Is this a Christian thing? Am I being a Christian in it? Most importantly, will Jesus and his kingdom be manifest and revealed? So I failed one time. I was disobedient. <laughs> you know, last night when I said that, everybody started laughing. I'm like, no, folks, this is not the time to laugh. I've just admitted failure to you. But anyway, I was encouraged in a weird way. I succeeded another time. And then there was a third time where I first said no, remembered the message, remembered that I was coming back here and had to give a report, got so convicted, <laughs> I went back into my office, closed the door, I literally got on my knees, I said, I'm sorry, Lord, I'll do what you've asked me to do. So I don't know if that kind of cancels it out, and I know that I'm going to be going through this again this week. So I want to encourage you, because we are going to talk today for a few minutes about the most important prayer that you must pray throughout this year. It literally is the most important prayer. Of anything you pray, I beg you please to do this every day. If you can get this right, not because it's magic, but because Jesus told us to do it, and if you can do this every day, not as a ritual, but as a commitment and as an act of worship and dedication, I promise you, you will finish this year with your life looking very different to what it looks like today. You know, many years ago, I started a habit of uh, writing in, in my journal. I don't journal a lot, but just major events. And in the first week of January, I would write down, you know, this is what my life looks like today. The last week of December, I would write down, this is what my life looks, and then I would compare the two. So after 15 years of ministry in a very happy church, truly a favored, just a favored, unusual experience, I left that at the end of 2012 to, to 2013, live by faith and launch the Shakaba Foundation. Three times during the year, when I was overseas, different parts of the world, and I'd be in my hotel room feeling very lonely, and three times I was like, what on earth have I done? Great church, happy family, steady income, blah, 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 blah. Now, you know, the, I was back to, Lord, we really need 300 bucks by Friday because we need to pay that bill. And of course, the Lord always comes through, and I'm not used to living like that. End of 2012, um, 
I'm leaving with great sadness, gladness for me, but, you know, all my friends are in the church. I'm still a member of the church. I'm not in leadership, though, anymore, and I'm leaving all of that behind. I finished 2013 where we had more finance in the bank, $3 more, in December than in January. It's not about that. With a happy family, the church is humming because we have a strong vision. The people who took over are just great, etc., etc. And a very fruitful year of the ministry. And the last week of the year, I'm preaching the kingdom message, which is the message of the Shakaba Foundation, in a new setting, which I've never been in before, your church. And I'm launching 2014 in that same setting with the foundation, strong and on track, and my key word for the year is new. I've started my year with everything new about the year. New friends, new church, new job. Okay, I know you're sitting there thinking, hey, you're well built, you're attractive in a classic 1950s sort of way, You've obviously got subtle but deep style in the way you dress. You have a beautiful wife, gorgeous kids, you play guitar, you write poems. I mean, what's not to like? Obviously, you would succeed, right? Hands up, those of you who thought that. All right, thank you, none of you. No, I'm, being, I'm, I'm making fun of myself because only half of those things are true. Work with me, people. You, like, you were really good last week. Don't, don't, don't drop your guard. Um, no, the truth is that by his grace, the blessings of his kingdom fell upon my life, not because I'm good, but because I was obedient. But even the ability to be obedient comes from him. Man, as I get older in the Lord, if, I, if I've understood nothing else, it's that even the times when we thought we finally were getting it right, you look behind the scenes, it's by his power. It's his grace. It's his strength. It is all him. And so let's talk about the most important prayer, because I do pray this every single day of my life. It's not a magic bullet, right? It's not one of those... You know, if you do these three things, God is going to bless your life. Listen, if you're watching TV and some dude is on the TV asking you to send him 200 bucks as his toupee falls off his head, <laughs> please don't waste God's money and send him 200. You're never going to see it back. If somebody says, give me 200 and God will make it 2,000, we call that gambling in the normal world. That's not the kingdom of God. Keep your money and give it to me. No, I'm kidding. Keep your money and give it to the church. Put it into missions. Send it to orphans and widows. Find a homeless shelter in your town and let God use it to actually change lives. And I make that point because this is not, this prayer, a magic bullet that if I just pray this, suddenly all my problems are going to be, going to be solved. No, actually, it's an act of worship and submission. And so can you imagine the disciples have been ministering with Jesus for a while and remember in, in Matthew 4, verse 17, we read where Jesus says, first words out of his mouth when he launches his ministry, baptized in the River Jordan, the Spirit of God comes upon him, now he's covered in power as a man, divine power, 
goes into the desert, tempted for 40 days, tested, you know, he succeeds, of course. He comes out, and the first words out of his mouth to everybody, repent. Change your direction and your way of thinking. Get ready because the kingdom of heaven is here now. It was always in him, but now it was time for him to demonstrate it. So he's doing it with the disciples. And then they notice from time to time that when they expect him to be there, they have a question, they have a need, they can't find him, right? You see that again and again in the Gospels. Do you know where he is? I think he went to Starbucks. <laughs> no, he was in Barnes & Noble earlier today. Really. And, you know, with his Apple laptop. <sighs> Work with me, people. Anyway, so they're looking. I don't know where he is. I thought you knew. Oh, here he comes. Jesus, where were you? We looked for you all night. Guys, I've told you how many times. I went to speak with my father. It tells us in the Gospel of John that Jesus says these words, I do not say or do anything without first asking my father. He spent so much time in his father's presence, received from the father what he was supposed to do with his life, and then went and did only that. That's why when the disciples say to him, we want to be like you, you know, we've, you've sent us out in pairs, we've cast out demons, done some miracles and stuff, but we want to be steady like you are. We want to live this thing all the time. And one of the things that we realize is that we don't seem to have that relationship. Can you teach us how to pray, please? Sure. You can imagine the Lord, you know, Jesus saying to the Holy Spirit, finally these guys, they're getting somewhere. And he says, this is how you must pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now, interesting. Just so that there's no confusion for him as a man, he wants to separate the fact that he has an earthly father, Joseph, and introduce them to the reality that they together have a heavenly father. And as a man on earth, God the Father is his father too. And to show that he submitted to his father, he says, hallowed be your name. Because, you know, in, in Hebrew teaching, in, in the law and the prophets, even to this day, the Jews don't write out Yahweh, the whole, they so revere God. They leave out a couple of the letters. And so Jesus is, it's with that heart that he's saying, hallowed be your name. So this is how I'm going to teach you. Our Father who's in heaven, Another place, the place, remember guys, when you heard me say repent for the kingdom of heaven, it's, it's him and his, that's what I'm talking about, from that place, from another place, glorify him, right? Let's start with that, that's our foundation. And then he says, here's the prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? Heaven's the perfect picture. The, the great goal of the Trinity is to bring heaven down to earth. And heaven, of course, is themselves as well. And then he goes on and he says, give us this day our daily bread, forgive us our debts, do not lead us. And he ends this prayer with this declaration, which kingdom people naturally make. If you're a kingdom person, it's natural for you to say, Lord, yours is the kingdom. And where the kingdom is, your power is present. 
And where your power is present, there's always glory. You can't separate the kingdom and power and glory, right? I was sharing this morning how I grew up Catholic. You know, we were twice a year Catholics, Christmas and Easter, like most good Catholics, and then just once a year. Um, and so I learned this prayer by rote, and maybe that's been your experience as well. But once I'd been saved for a few years, this, forget rote, this became so alive to me. It's, it's like a fire that still burns in me when I realized that Jesus says, this is how we should pray. That for me, every time I prayed, which I do many times a day, by the way, or different parts of it, um, it's, it's the perfect prayer because Jesus told us it is. Why would we not pray the words that he gave us? It doesn't have to be a ritual. It can become a living thing. And so let's just look at it for a couple of minutes. When Jesus said, say these words, your kingdom come, he's saying, what I mean is, let your rule be established. Let your rules, your practices, your values, your culture let them live in me and through me today in the present tense, right? If you look at the original language, grammatically, he's not saying let it come as in it's somewhere in the future and we'll kind of sort of find it. He means let it come today. The natural result of the kingdom coming is that God's will is done. His will works through the kingdom, there is a living space that the Holy Spirit lives in. It's called the kingdom of God. I have a very good friend. His name is Dimitar Luchev. We call him Jimmy. He's a Bulgarian theologian, brilliant guy. And for years and years and years, he studied the kingdom of God and the Trinity. And a few weeks ago, we were chatting, and he says to me, we were just talking about the kingdom. Um, hopefully, you can hear him minister one day. It's totally, totally just blows your mind. And he suddenly says this. He says, you know, Lorenzo, like the Bulgarians are, you know, they're very artistic. He says, the kingdom of God, the kingdom is God's inner world. And then the kingdom of God on earth is God's inner world manifest among men. It is God among men. So I was like, whoa, hang on a sec. What did you just say there? I said, wait, 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 true story. I said, well, I need to record that, right? Because to him it was like, what, you haven't heard this before? I'm like, no, say that again. And I recorded it, and I've looked at it again and again because it's true. What Jesus was saying is, I want to bring my Father and the Spirit, I'm already here, and the way that we think and act in perfect unity, the power, the rule, the glory, I'm bringing that to you. Because I want you to see that the religious activity you've been doing, speaking to the Jews now, will always result in death. I used to say many times in our church, I'd get the whole church to stand up and repeat after me, we hate religion, we love relationship, God did not send a book, he sent his son. <laughs> Profoundly important and powerful words. Religion will always tend to death. The deception is that when you get into rituals, if, you, if your life is disorganized and in disarray, 
The rituals give you a false sense of security temporarily, and then they become your master. Religion, I'm telling you, I call it spiritual Nazism. Religion is a brutal master. Relationship is a wonderful friend, right? Remember I mentioned to you last week that Jesus' whole goal was to bring us back to the Father. And so we find that when the kingdom comes and when his will is done, Lord, have your way today in my life, that the rest of the prayer, the daily bread, forgive me as I forgive others, deliver me from the power of the evil one, that follows after kingdom come and will be done. Kingdom must come first. Wherever the kingdom is, his will follows. Wherever his will is, the kingdom is. Always. They're two sides of the same coin. The rest comes afterwards. Remember, what does Matthew tell us? Jesus famously says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and then all the things you worry about every day, what food you're going to eat, what clothes you're going to wear, I remember as a young Christian reading that and thinking, who worries about that stuff? Really? I don't worry about that. Well, of course, I was a stupid young person living on the coast in little short shorts with T-shirts with holes in them and flip-flops, banging away my guitar, I had no responsibility. You know, I'd look at older people and go, oh, these people just need to get a life. Then I got married and then we had kids, and guess what I worry about every day? How are we going to feed these guys and clothe them? It's natural. And Jesus says, that's cool, that's the world you live in, but first you've got to come and move and step into my reality, and your world will automatically be taken care of. But it doesn't work the other way. You cannot spend all of your life in your world, first I'm going to worry about me, I'm going to take care of my needs, and whatever's left over, I'll give to the kingdom and expect that God's going to bless your life. It's not even about blessing, it's just the way God has designed it. Put his kingdom first, do his will, and everything else gets taken care of. But, but, the key to everything, man, if you remember nothing else but this today, and I pray that you'll go home, there's no game this afternoon, so take some time before the Lord. By the way, even as a preacher, I do this. I'll take some time this afternoon to go over the message, and I'll linger on certain points that the Holy Spirit has made real to me during the preach. And for me it's this, the key is our Father. Because friends, the Father is the beginning and the end of everything. A few years ago, I was um, just having a quiet time, and in fact it was about 10 years ago, I was 42, and I was saying to the Lord, I was in a, in a bit of a state of stress, I guess. The church was really growing. People were asking me so many questions I didn't have the answers to. Um, and thank God, our secret as a church was that I surrounded myself with people much better than me. And part of it was I was also just lazy and there were some things I didn't want to do. Well, not lazy, but things I didn't. And God used that, by the way, that weakness, and made it into a strength, so we had a good leadership team. I, I loved being able to say to people who'd ask me those really obscure Bible questions, I'm like, who thinks of these things? You've got way too much time on your hands. 
And I'd say, you know who you should speak to, brother? And I'd get my spiritual voice. You should speak to Pastor Noel. Because I can teach the Bible, but he's a Bible teacher. Oh, thank you, Lorenzo. And off they'd go. I knew Tuesday morning, he'd be like, he's my dad-in-law. You know, he's, he's been in the ministry as long as I've been alive. He's been my mentor. But, and he'd say to me, don't do that to me because I'm stuck with this guy. Asking me questions that don't mean anything. You know, it's like, what do you think about the red horses in Revelation? And thank God he has a way of taking the questions and turning it back to Jesus. Like, basically, never mind that. Let's talk about the Lord, you know. Anyway, and so I was, before the Lord, I was on my knees. I remember I was, the word I'm looking for is I was troubled. I was burdened. And I said, I've reached this stage in my life because life does begin at 40 in many ways. If you're bored with your life in your 20s and 30s, hang in there. It's really cool at 40. Your body also changes shape and your chest falls into your drawers but, and stuff like that. Forgive me, that's so corny, but it's cute. Um, but inside, spiritually, you know, you come to a place where you realize, some of you just thought about your parents right now, but um, you realize you're old enough to understand that you don't know enough. At the same time, you realize that you know more than you ever used to, and there is more to know, and you don't know enough, and you're never going to know enough. You feel completely inadequate, and trust me as a preacher, like it's, it's terrifying, because you're going to be held accountable, right? And so there are two things you can do. You can either suddenly throw yourself into incredible amounts of study to try to gather as much information as possible, or you can either bury your head in the sand like an ostrich and just keep repeating the same stuff over and over and over again and just kind of change the dressing a little bit. And then suddenly, like I'm talking to you, it was clear, like a movie. I'm a highly visual person. God has made me like that. So God often speaks to me in visions. And I just had this clear vision, out of the blue. Um, And I saw this picture. I was standing behind. There was a road. And standing behind a little child, a little boy. And I right away realized that it was me. And I saw like this huge body next to the kid with this big hand. Couldn't see the face. It was like up to the halfway. And then I just saw the boy put up his hand into what I realized was God's hand. And the Spirit enabled me. I heard the Father's voice say to me, my son, I know everything. You don't need to know everything. You can't. Don't run ahead of me because you will get lost. Don't fall behind me because you will get scared. Just keep pace with me and keep your hand in mind, and I will tell you what you need to know. Listen, it was life-changing. Again, my daughter said to me recently, Dad, do you know how many times you used the phrase, it was life-changing, you know? And I was like, yeah, and I didn't get it. And my wife smiles. She's such a great woman. She'll hopefully be here next week. But anyway, such a sweet lady, and she goes... (laughs) I think what Bianca meant was that you kind of a bit over the top with that, you know. So we had a lovely discussion. I said, honey, if God is in my life, I expect to have life-changing moments often because the divine creator of the universe is speaking to me. You should try it. No, I didn't say that. I said, I'm kidding. 
I'm kidding. And we had such a beautiful discussion. It was like, oh, okay, that's interesting. Like I said last week, friends, we hear God speaking to us all the time. He loves us. His spirit is in us. His word is, is available to us. If we in the word and we praying like Jesus showed us, it's not difficult to hear God's voice. And so I realized that the key is our Father. And this is how it works practically. Have a good relationship with the Father because in the Father, you will find safety. When you find that safety, it gives you security and out of that flows confidence, right? Show me a good dad and I'll show you a confident child. When I was, um, because I grew up in such a dysfunctional home, uh, dreadful relationship with my dad, but we became very close the last few years be just before he passed. Truly, very close. It's, it's the story of my life. It's phenomenal. But anyway, um, and so I remember as a 15-year-old, it was a Wednesday evening in Cape Town in South Africa. I'd had a, another huge fight after dinner, screaming, shouting, name-calling, and I went, I just had to get out of the house, and I was walking down the road. It was a lovely summer evening, 20 past seven in the evening. I'll never forget it. And I remember saying out loud, I wasn't a Christian, and I said, God, I, I do believe that you exist. And I want to ask for your help, that if I get nothing else right in my life, I want to be a good husband, I want to be a good father, and I never want to chase money. And I can say that I've failed too many times as a husband, as a minister. Um, thank God we haven't chased money. But I can say the one, this is my testimony, part of my life that I'm the happiest with is my, I love my kids. We are close friends, close friends. And early on as a dad, you know, I didn't have a good example. I didn't read the books. We didn't have the DVDs. 23, 24 years ago, and the stuff that you have today, they just didn't exist, friends. And we were in South Africa, a country very closed off from the rest of the world, and all that stuff. So for me, my fatherhood came out of the scriptures. A couple of examples around us, but I would find that the Lord would just give me thoughts, you know. And when my kids were very little, this thought came to me. Love brings stability. Discipline brings security. And the result of the two is confidence. And I thought of that scripture. God disciplines those he loves. And the result is confidence. Are you sure about your faith? Absolutely. Why? Because of who it is that I worship. Are you sure that God has called you? Absolutely. Why? Because I know him who has called me. He's faithful. And so... The first thing for us through this year as we pray this prayer every day is to expect to get closer to the Father because that's the goal. Remember, Jesus came to do a task. He's in heaven at the Father's right hand. Now the Holy Spirit carries on his work in us and through us. And his great task, Jesus says, is to bring us back to the Father. Friends, the best thing you can do for North Attleboro is to bring this town back to the Father. Because in Him, they will find all that they need. And so when you have that confidence, then it's easy to pray 
Father, let your kingdom, our Father, let your kingdom come. Hallowed, oh, I love you. I praise you. Now let your kingdom come through me today. The rule is very easy. It's, listen, it's easy to submit to a God that you know and love, right? Of course, we are naughty children still. We are sinners saved by grace. And like I told you, even this week, but I mean, you know, when I said no to the Lord this week, um, it wasn't like, no, you're not the boss of me, like my kids used to do. <laughs> I did that to my wife the other day. I just walked into the kitchen. And I said, I won't. You're not the boss of me. And she cracked up laughing because I, I loved it when my kids used to do that. You know, my, my daughter used to boss my son and he'd go, little cute boy, you know. I won't, you're not the boss of me. This year, the, late last year, I was in a situation counseling some people and I said to the person, a guy, you know, I said to him, you're basically saying to the father, I won't, you're not the boss of me, you know. That, that instinct is in us. And for a moment I felt superior because I don't do that. Flippin' heck. Anyway, <laughs> man, does it ever go away. But it has become much, I love you so much, thank you. You're so good for my soul, truly. It is so much easier when you're close with the Father to submit to Him. And you know, friends, when you're living basically in a state of submission, obedience is not difficult. We still get things wrong because we are so frail and just so stubborn and sinful. But it's, it's, it's much easier if I pray this prayer and mean it and the Holy Spirit enables me to do it. Now, do you know the Bible says that the kingdom of God is righteousness, joy, and peace? And I realized this week when I was preparing this message that the, res the result of living a kingdom lifestyle is righteousness, peace, and joy. Righteousness meaning rightness. Being in a state of right relationship with God the Father, because Jesus has paid the price through his death on the cross. Listen, it's so lovely when you move as a Christian from that place of Jesus is my Savior, thank God I'm going to get to heaven, into Jesus, I, I really need you to become my Lord. I want you to be my master. Who do you want me to marry? Where do you want me to work? How would you like me to spend my money? But it's great, it's phenomenal, powerful, truly life-transforming when you move from that to simply, Jesus, I want you to be my king. I'm ready now. You command and I'll do. No hesitation. And that's what righteousness does for you. The reason you can do that is because through Jesus forgiving you of your sins, you live in peace, in a permanent state of peace with God. That barrier, the Bible says, that animosity that was between you and him, he's removed it. I don't know about you, but most of us in this world are battling with somebody or something somewhere. It's great to be in a place of peace, especially when you're dealing with warlike people who just want to take everybody's stuff. They manifest themselves in traffic. They want your lane. <laughs> they want your light. Am I kidding? Okay, how many of you in the past month have gotten really angry in traffic and lost your testimony? 
I'm not putting up my hand. I haven't done it. But how many of you have? You see what I mean? All right, Father, I just pray that you help these people by giving them more opportunities. No, just kidding. It's so in us. And there are those people in our lives that they get all frustrated, mostly unsafe folks. And you know, you're just at peace. And they look at you and say, what's wrong with you? How can you not be upset about this? Well, you know, I'm from another kingdom, bro. <laughs> I, I'm not being toxic. Seriously, I'm, you know, I, I don't live in that world anymore. I live in the world, but I'm not of it. I, I, my king, because he has changed me, I behave differently now, right? And I'm trying to bring that kingdom to you, and boy, do you need it. <laughs> and so righteous speech and joy, let's go back to the Our Father prayer, equal those things we talked about, those three things which come after kingdom come and will be done, is provision. Give me today my daily bread, right? Lord, forgive me as I forgive others. Forgiveness is difficult to do outside of Jesus, isn't it? You know, when people say, I've forgiven you, but I haven't forgotten, I'm like, no, dude, you haven't forgiven me. Try again, <laughs> right? And, uh, and I know because I used to be like that. Man, I used to be such an angry guy. When I got saved, the Lord delivered me, man, of a spirit of anger. Delivered me. Delivered me. My parents wanted me to see a psychiatrist. They thought I'd been taken captive by a cult because here I am sort of almost floating in on the Wednesday after the Sunday. Dad. Now, I'm telling you, the Friday before, I'm swearing at him in public, threatening him with F words and violence. Not even a week later, I'm like, Dad, um, listen, I'll, I'll mow the lawn for you on Saturday. <laughs> and that same day, it was a Wednesday, I'll never forget it. Thank you, all glory to God. I'm like, Mom, listen, I, to this day, hate doing dishes. When Dara and I got married, I said, look, I'll do every, I love to cook, I like cleaning, I really do. Please don't ask me to do dishes are of the devil. Literally, he invented <laughs> grease and stuff. It's a sign of this broken world. I mean, dishwashers are proof that God exists. <laughs> so, no, that's not true. But anyway, so, um, <laughs> when we was poor when we got married. I told you last week, you know when we could first afford a dishwasher? Oh, my word. I know, this sounds like such a small thing. You don't know, there's a whole history of beatings, you know. You will do, you will do the dishes tonight. Uh, your brother's gonna dry, your sister pack away. No, I'll pack away, I don't wanna get my hands greasy. Please, daddy. You know, you do dishes. You know, there's like all sorts of memories which apparently I thought had forgotten, but apparently are still in me. All attached, no feelings anymore, negative feelings. And uh, why the, oh yeah. So for me to say to my mom on the Wednesday, calmly, Mom, I'll, I'll do the dishes this evening. Listen, I've been saved four days, hey? I had a dramatic salvation, and two weeks later, miraculously healed of, a, of, a, of back issues. It runs in our family. I mean, burst out in tongues. I didn't even know what all the stuff was. The pastor would be like, do you want to speak in tongues? Yes, please. So... Of course, I had to come home very excited. You know, I'm the lunatic Christian that I now warn people about and <laughs> tell to calm down in our church who would run up to the nearest bus stop and say, hey, everybody, here comes the bus. 
you know, Jesus might come this afternoon and you're all gonna go to hell. So just bow your heads and pray with me. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you forgive me of my sins. I love your glory. Amen, you're all saved. See you later. And of course, today, I'd look at a person like that and say, dude, really? You just like turned 20 people off forever after. Anyway, I was that guy. I'd, let's just say I wasn't well counseled when I was well mentored as a young Christian. So I came home. Mom, Dad, these are non-practicing Catholics who are furious with me because I've left the faith. And the priest who in 17 years only visited us three times, twice to ask for money, somehow had heard that I'd gotten saved and came and put the fear of something to my parents. You know what my mother was concerned about? He told them I'm going to go to hell now because I'm no longer going to the Catholic Church. That didn't bother my mom. Oh, no. <laughs> what worried Rosa was that the priest said to her, by the way, your son, your son, if he doesn't get married in the Catholic Church, his marriage won't be recognized in heaven and his kids will be bastards. <laughs> my mom was like, please, you can belong to any cult you want. I was in the Assemblies of God Church. She's like... <laughs> Please, won't you just do your wedding in the Catholic Church? I don't want your kids to be bastards. I'm like, what are you talking about? That doesn't even make sense. What are you saying? Anyway, needless to say, we didn't do it. So, man, I'm speaking long on this point. My point is the deliverance was so radical. Good save, eh? Um, that, but it's true, that's my testimony, that I changed so much that my parents tried to get me to see a psychiatrist for the first year. You know, um, and today, if my kids changed that much, I'd be like, "Have a seat. We need to talk." So I'm living proof of the power of the kingdom of God in somebody's life. Amen. I was that guy who went home. You know, I wanted to be a rock and roll band, Led Zeppelin, the whole deal, and I burned all of my stuff and you know broke all the CDs and whatever. And then I just went and bought them again on iTunes 20 years later. <laughs> so. Save yourself the money. Anyway, so in closing, today, take this home with you and, and really meditate on it. And if you hear as a family, um, you know, a couple or if, whatever, whatever your situation is, you have friends you can talk with, maybe talk about it over lunch. And these three things, do you need to, this, at the beginning of this year, come into a deeper walk with the Father? You know, maybe the Spirit has been speaking to you during the sermon that actually you don't spend enough time with Him and He needs to be the source of your life. Because listen, if that's how Jesus lived and we want to be like Him, that has to be our starting point. The second thing is, think about the kingdom. You can go into gospel.com they have some wonderful free Bibles. There's lots of sites, but it's a really good one, trustworthy one. And just select New King James Bible and just do a search, Kingdom of God, and just go through each scripture and see what the Lord says to you and start thinking kingdom, the rule and the reign of Christ in your life. And then I believe that there's some of you this morning that God wants you, he is his, in his will for your life, there are things that he wants you to do specifically this year and for you, it's just about obedience. And you know, friends, when we are children and we disobey, God is patient. But when we are grown-ups spiritually, 
and God asks us to obey, there is an expectation that we will do nothing else but say, yes, Lord. I really didn't understand how a simple act of obedience to God, I will leave a fruitful ministry to step out on my own into something that's never been done before in my life, trusting you that at 51, at a time in my life when I should not be stepping into the really big unknown, capital U, and I think to myself, I'll never be that person at 75 thinking, maybe I should have. And when the kingdom of God is involved and God calls you to do something, the worst mistake you can make is be wrong. But he still loves you, right? It doesn't affect his relationship to you. And you can always go back to what you'd left before. It's a kind of a win-win. I tell you what, though, if you've heard God right, when you step through that door of the Father, he's the key. When you st- the door that says the kingdom, when you enter into that relationship and you pray this prayer and you mean it, on the other side of the door are things that you've never seen or heard before. But you can only get to them by living in the kingdom.